Hi, this is Jordan. And I'm Brian. And you're listening to The Quality Varies. What's up, Jordan? Definitely recording The Quality Varies right now, right? <laughs> yes, I am 81% sure. You know what I just thought of? I would love to hear it. We, we were just chatting about a, a, a release that was coming out. I think one of the fastest ways to degrade one's mental health is to look at the comment section of like many public posts and or like releases. Does that make sense? It sounds a little vague, but uh, I mean, looking okay. at any con- comment section anywhere is, is a pretty quick yes. way to... Yes, yeah, that's how vague I'm trying to be. The okay. l- basically looking at the comment section anywhere, yeah, is a recipe for for anything but like, happiness. I feel like that's rule number like three of the internet. Just don't look at the comment section. Rule number one is you know don't click on sketchy links. Rule number two, yes, don't give out your information. Rule number yes. three, don't look at the comment section. I just feel like that's like basic knowledge basic not even knowledge it's just it's not etiquette it's just it's, it's just like standard how procedure our ancestors learned it's our that, it's in know, our fuck, dna it's a primordial it's part of our brain stem <laughs> i don't know we learned that fire was important our ancestors found fire to be super important i feel like these days are like core things are <laughs> those three rules that you just listed off <laughs> So that the Oonga Boonga doesn't come. Is that what you said in the other <laughs> podcast? Still haven't um, gotten over that. I may have said Oonga Boonga. Uh, what are we talking about today, Brian? We are in part two of two of our self-collaboration on uh, mental health uh, games slash hobbies and subtitle addiction working title. I like that. Draft one. It's probably a bad time to still have a working title as we're in the this middle of doing This is the perfect it. time. Yeah. yeah, no, this is the perfect time. All right. That's that's the main thing for today. We have a goals update as it's almost the end of, of Q1, quarter one. Do we? Uh, it's up to you, Brian. Do we do that before or do we do that after? Let's do it real. Let's do it first since you brought it up. Okay. You start. Okay. Okay. I had with all with your many goals that you had made all three yep yeah I have three goals this year and well I'll just tell you what they're I don't need to give you the whole rundown I already gave you the whole rundown um my number one goal is to be a hero in every sense of the word literally a hero and you know metaphorically I just want to I want to be the hero of my own story essentially to as many people in my life as I can. That's my number one goal this year. A number two goal, well, and so, I mean, nobody's called me their hero yet, so I guess that one's still in progress. My number two goal is to have a profitable business. Still no ad deals for this little show, so zero profits thus far, but I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling good about where the show's at, where the other show's at. I'm feeling good about where you are, you and I are at. I thought you were just about about to say just me feeling good where I'm at. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Yep, just feeling good about me. Yeah, 
is your third goal so unimportant that you can't remember it? That's why you should write your goals down. Oh, oh, oh. No, here's the third goal. I, I remember my third goal. It was very... My third goal is to start my master's program. And... Oh, yeah. Uh, that I've got three... I've got three programs in mind. I have made initial contact with all three. And now I just need to really sit down and do the dollars and cents breakdowns of all of them and uh, and see which one is the best fit nice is there a deadline for that this i mean as uh as soon as plausible on that one interesting wording yeah i mean so f- i mean for a couple of the programs i've looked at they have like monthly cohorts starting so as soon as possible could be in like two weeks from right now, uh, and that's not really plausible for for me. So a soft deadline would be this fall um, to be to have um, the scholarships in place from scholarships that I am aware of, and you know get whatever student loans I need <clears throat> enrolled and moving this fall yeah okay so the uh the profitable business thing that has a hard deadline of september 6th so oh does it hard deadline yep that's a pretty specific i can't even begin to let me pull up my uno memento i want to i want to see if i can guess why it's september 6th let me just go to the calendar here and see if there's anything significant on september 6th September 6th, that's a Tuesday. Labor Day is the day before. And according to my calendar, I have yoga that day at 11.30. So I have nothing. Sounds like a big day. Sounds like a good yeah, day to make what, some profit. Yeah, What? Uh, what's, what's September 6th? September 6th is my birthday. So on my last birthday, my wife and I were sitting at dinner, and she said, what do you want to do this year? And I said, well... I want to have a profitable business. And so that's that. That's where that goal came from. And that's what we're shooting for. Yeah, I'm just going to write down that your birthday is on September 6th. Good. I don't know why I have a thing about not wanting people to know that. We can't. We we don't have time in this podcast to go over how much I don't like people knowing my birthday. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I agree. Anyway, enough about me. What about you? So... And you had 23 goals, was it? Yes. Yep. Looking at my spreadsheet here, I have learn Spanish. I am progress. Oh, I just broke everything. Um, well, that explains a lot. It pretty much sums up my life. As soon as I start thinking about my goal, my life just goes into shambles. So learn Spanish. I have been progressing in that, but not at the rate that I have committed to in the goal. Um, I'm using kind of solely kind of one app to do it Mm -hmm. and you can get crowns and it's kind of a gamey type of way to do it i do not have as many crowns as i would like i'm about 20 short somebody uh, included some some monetary uh gambling things for for a certain week which helped me get back on the back on the ball as of uh as of march um so still progressing um and uh, what I do get to do is I get to go in and kind of change that goal. So I'm not, uh, I'm not, it's, 
it's not a high enough priority for me to be interested in like catching back up. And so then what I get to do, so I'm not just sitting in shame for the rest of the year is I know that. So I just go in and I'm going to change, I, you know, I change that number uh, mm-hmm. for that goal. Um, set up a new track for me to uh, maintain. Number two, uh, read 30 books by the end of the year. Uh, I am kind of on track for that. Again, not really hitting like the monthly, the monthly breakdown that I had in mind, but I purposely made it as nebulous as just 30 books because books can be any length. <laughs> and bro, I got some bombshells of kid books, man. They're like see exactly 10 pages. Yeah, exactly. I've probably read 30 books in a week if we're talking hey. like any yeah. book. So between audiobooks and real estate stuff and paper or electronic books, um I'm in the middle of several larger ones. So it's it's like a it's like a fine wine. It's aging well. <laughs> you have no idea what fine wine is about. I have no idea. Close twenty four transactions in real estate. Uh, yeah, that's going that's going great. We spent the whole winter. I'm not gonna I'm gonna spend minimal amount of time talking about my my day job on this show, but in general, we spent the entire winter setting up the foundation of the company. And since this is Idaho. And Idaho just decides whenever it's going to snow. <laughs> the snow is finally starting to go away, and because of that, things are starting to things are starting to wrap up, ramp up. The last two days have been crazy. I learned in a single day. I learned how to submit offers on so many different devices <laughs> as it became necessary. Uh, I was sitting in an AT. I was sitting in a Verizon store. We were changing. We were setting up company phone plans and all this boring stuff. I was on their chair in the corner on my laptop, just <laughs> using their using their Wi-Fi to, to send an offer in. And they're like, do you need help? And I'm like, no, I don't need help. <laughs> just leave me alone for a second. Freaking Sigma mail in the corner, just getting the, getting the grind on. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's going great. Um, I... The, the, the intention with that is it was kind of a bell curve. So the beginning of the year was pretty slow. Summer, we're going to be killing it. And then hopefully momentum carries carries me through the uh, the winter time. So uh, run a 10K. Uh, that's set for specifically in quarter four. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm still, I'm still running. Um, I'm not necessarily going for like every time I go in and run, I'm trying to hit like a specific new time or, you know, a specific distance without stopping. Um, but uh, maintaining right now. And keeping myself in a place where the next time I run, I'm not going to immediately get shin splints mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And then I have a monetary amount that I'm trying to save and, and have in investment funds. And that is set for annual. Really, it's it's mostly for the second half of the year. Because for now, most every penny that comes to me just like goes back somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, write 100,000 words in World Anvil. Can we talk about how when I made this goal, I didn't really have an understanding, a conceptual understanding of 100,000 words? That's a crap ton of words, dude. 100,000 words? That's probably more than a doctoral... There's uh, A synthesis? No. Synthesis or... Tell me. I have it before you have it. A dissertation? Dissertation, thank you. I probably wouldn't have remembered that. Yeah, a hundred thousand words is 
it's probably more than a dissertation, like a doctoral dissertation. So 100,000 words I found is like a good sized novel, which again, it's hard to conceptualize because, you know, you look at a novel and you're like, that's an okay sized novel. Mm-hmm. Novel's got lots of pages, mm-hmm. lots of words on all those pages. Mm-hmm. This one, knowing that I can change my mind at any time, I am still committing to 100,000 words. Wow. That it, come uh, June, the main the main work is hopefully going very fast. I may completely change my mind, but that's future me, and I don't have any I don't have any responsibility for future me. Mm-hmm. I'm also cheating because World Anvil also has a um, a manuscript beta, basically just like a program that you can use to just like write literal story. What just happened? Don't Did talk you just about break it. Your hat? Don't talk Did you about just... it. Did... <laughs> I was scratching my head, and I popped the snaps off the snapback, all right? Oh, I thought you literally broke it. No, I'm just, I'm batting a thousand right now. Okay, we just, let's just move on. We're talking about you, not me. (laughs) So I'm sticking to it. Uh, I'm counting the words that go into this, this, these manuscripts. um, As I'm just, I'm playing around with, um, you know, that version of storytelling. Writing a story for a D&D campaign and writing a story for a story are two different things. Uh, I'm counting both of those, and I'm sticking. I'm sticking to a hundred thousand right now. I dig it. Um, yeah, I found that I can. I can pretty. I can crank out a thousand words in a day. Like that's as the harder choice is to sit down and put the half hour hour into it. Mm-hmm. If I if I choose to sit down with a laptop and do it, then then the amount of words is not an issue. Wow. So. But obviously the motivation and the, you know, the dedication to do that on a daily basis is not a menial task either. Mm-hmm. So uh, split uh, game stuff into a separate podcast. I would say that we are successful in doing that. I would check that one right off, bud. Yeah. Congratulations. And I set that for, I, I set that up for quarter two as well. So wow. we're early. Yeah. Dang, look at us. Yeah. Look at us. 50% you see the of us, 50% of us are achievers. Well, I mean, we were both involved in that. Have you seen that Paul Rudd video? The Look at Us video? Yes. Yeah, what? That was the Hot Ones, wasn't it? Yeah, the first yeah. piece, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is one of my favorite internet Ugh, yeah. creations. Dude, look at us. Hey, look at us. That's so wholesome. It's it's amazing. It's so, so good. Um, so we're doing we're doing fantastic on that. We ha- I again for the end of the year I have started another podcast for real estate that is being completely left to the quarter that I have allocated it to. <laughs> um, I have some education stuff for uh, just to keep my real estate license active and that that's happening. I'm, I'm on track. The bottom two ones, not doing good. <laughs> Actually, I would say I'm doing very poor. Uh-oh. Number one, speak to grandma weekly. Speak to my grandmama. Oof. Grandmother, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm recommitting. I know, I know you listen to this show. I apologize. Oh, man. And number two is, uh, in, our, in our faith, go to, the, uh, go to the temple once a month. Moved here, and I like totally just forgot that we had a temple in Idaho Falls. We have, I, have, I have access to, a, if I'm willing to drive like an hour, I have access to like 13 temples. Yeah. It feels like here in Idaho. That's crazy, man. So, it, yeah. I've never been to Idaho, but from everything I've what ever you, heard about, what what never been? 
Never been. I've never been north of Logan, Utah. Really? That's, that's pretty up there in Utah, but it's it's still like an hour or so, if not more, away from the the state line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, never been to Idaho, but from everything I hear, the Idaho Falls area is like baby Provo. Yes. So, at my mild house in uh, Salt Lake, I had access to. No, I can't count. We probably had. Uh, if yeah. I wanted to drive yeah. an hour, I had a, probably I had access to probably like twenty. Yeah. There's like, there's literally more temples than you can shake a stick at in Salt Lake and Utah counties. I really got called out by a friend of mine who who mentioned she's like, hey, I'm I'm coming to Boise next month to go to the temple if you want to join me. And I said, why 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 are you going to Boise? Boise is so far away from you. She mm-hmm. lives in Washington. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, the one here in town and the next closest one, they're both closing for a couple of weeks. So I'm going to drive to, to Boise. I said, wow, I have so many temples, mm-hmm. so much closer. Yeah. And uh, you're sitting here being a being an achiever, <laughs> being a good person. So that was uh, that was just a call out to me. So, yeah, Shoot. yeah, those are my those are my those are my goals. Sweet, man. Um not really i haven't really had many new ones um if uh if we're being honest you know full transparency here i am just like i'm not gonna write it down because i can't i i don't know if i could live with myself if i wrote it down but uh but there is a i'll just say there's a goal in regards to the dating life and that's all i'm gonna say and i'm not gonna write it down i refuse don't give me that smile. And in full transparency, I'm just going to say that goal has not been met. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, man. Um, just real quick, I've actually gotten some feedback on our goals uh, episode. Yeah. Um, I actually had a chat with my old pops uh, about goals, and it was a good chat. Um, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad we had it, too, because... Uh, you know, my dad, he was always the one that had these, like, crazy goals. Like, I'm going to read 50,000 pages in uh, of books. And that was always, like, so overwhelming to me. But he said, like, yeah, like, I, he told me, he, he understood that, like, that's overwhelming and that can be discouraged. Like, that level of overwhelmingness, I guess, my word, can be, can be discouraging. But I also recognize... That without that goal, I wouldn't have progressed nearly as far in that, what in that goal, um, if yeah. I didn't set it for myself and write it down. So I mean, he said he's never read fifty thousand pages in a year, but he's read thirty thousand pages in a year uh, because he re- uh, set those goals. So that yeah. was a really good, that was a good um, learning moment for me. That uh, maybe I get to take it easy on myself for not accomplishing the goals I set for myself. I had a very instructional, inspirational, I don't know what you call it. But I don't know either. You haven't told me anything about it. At work last year, um, before I was a full agent, I was an assistant. Basically, my job was to just kind of bring in, to simplify it, my job was to be involved in as many transactions as humanly possible. I wasn't directly the agent that was doing it. But whether I was bringing the lead to the agent or I was helping the agent in some way further the transaction, 
if I did any of those things, then I got a piece of the pie when it came to closing. Usually the person in my position is able to like, is going for a greater quantity of closings than an actual agent is. Cause I'm just, I get them a lead. That's all I have to do. And then maybe two months later, I just get a paycheck and mm-hmm. I never had to do anything with it again. Right. And I'm just doing that every day. The goals that were set up in my employment agreement, because there are just bonuses that are set up like, hey, if you hit these number of closings, you get X bonuses. The top one on that sheet was if you close 100 transactions, you get this. I'm not going to say the number, but it was a significant monetary amount. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of in my mind. That's the only number that I was seeing. So I was like, okay, cool. That's, you know, maybe year one, I hit like 50 or 60. And then year two, you know, I can go for the big hundo. Yeah. Um, And the other guy that was there, um, he also had not hit 100 before. But, you know, in 2021, he hit like 80. And so he's, you know, feeling super confident about hitting 100 the next year. Those are the only numbers we had. We hadn't heard numbers from anybody else. And we were just content with, you know, when we were starting to get to the numbers that we wanted. You know, we were getting, after the fact, I can look back and we I say we were getting a little bit lax. There was just a, there was a class or a kind of a training gathering kind of thing with different folks that, that do what we do. And they started saying numbers that were ridiculous compared to what my belief structure was at the time Mm -hmm. leading up to then. I thought that, I thought, honestly, in the beginning, I thought after a couple of weeks and understanding like what it took, I thought that the hundredth transaction transactions was was a bit of a dick move by my boss mm-hmm. it's like oh i don't think you guys are ever going to get here but if you do here's this you know here's this thing yeah i was seeing a, a ton of people that were consistently getting like 200 closings Jeez. 250 closings whoa in a year and like and after they basically the their thing and their structure that they feel is completely attainable was after about three years around 200 to 250 closings is a hundred percent like, yeah, that is, that is something you can go for. And that is a standard that you can even, you know, have, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's the standard for you. Hmm. Complete paradigm shift of what I believed was possible. And so I was kind of talking about just the kind of the power of the, of like the awareness and, you know, I only work within what my belief structure is. And so until I see other opportunities and I see other things, so that's a big, that's a big, long tangent, but it was a, it was a very like weird moment. And I could feel like my head, like starting to like re, you know, those, those neurons mm-hmm. starting to like change a little bit. They're like, oh, I understand, like, I see, I understand now. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's, cool, that's what I thought of when you were talking about your dad and, and yeah. kind of the goals is like, yeah, part of it is just, you know, having something in front of you. Cause other, for me, if I don't have something like that in front of me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to push because mm. pushing is uncomfortable. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a goal to read. I loved books as a kid. I didn't have a, I didn't have any type of goal to read books for probably five years. Mm-hmm. And I read as many books in those five years as I probably would read in a month, you know, when I was, when I was younger and that just, that's something to be aware of for me. Okay, we already spent a half an hour. Oh my Great. I can't, we cannot, this episode cannot be as long as the homebrew catastrophe episode. I can't do it. <laughs> All right. My, my mind cannot mentally handle it. Okay, so we got half an hour. 
the no we got we got i mean we got an hour okay. you know how long homebrew catastrophe was we recorded for two and a half hours that's not even that's not even our that's not even like close to our longest our longest episode was like like close to four hours wasn't it no no i think that's up to like some of our some of our one of our longest episodes i swear we talked to like brandon for four hours maybe not brandon our our average now for both shows is is we record for about an hour and a half that's what it's been for like the last eight episodes and then it gets edited down to uncannily uh, like uncanny similar times of around 114 minutes yeah it's actually weird how how like close the last couple have been interesting mental health and i'm having difficulty kind of thinking of how i want to how i want to start it off when there's going to be some things we talk about here that we that we pretty much um it's going to be verbatim of what we said in the other show what in general brian you can correct me if i'm wrong but the statement that we have personally both experienced and that we you know i don't know advocate for is that like the like social type games and hobbies and and those activities are extremely helpful towards mental health is that like a starting point that you feel comfortable starting from yeah um yeah that's that's it yep good episode do you feel like that's a safe statement to make without being uh any clinically certified in the slightest uh yeah absolutely also we're not clinically certified in the slightest so anything we say can not be held against us in any way true but yeah um and we talked about this in the other show so just briefly there's a couple of components to social games and here we're talking about tabletop role-playing games um Probably first and foremost, especially around the same table with the same group of people repeatedly over, yeah. you know, any any period of what, what would be considered a long period of time. Yeah. But also just like just having game nights with uh, couples friends and where you just play like card games or Monopoly or heaven forbid you put your friendship on the line and play risk more than three times that's a dangerous game seriously uh we we tried that twice and after the second risk day we just like there was a friend that we just didn't talk to for like a couple of weeks oh yeah uh, for reals yeah that's a story i mean i'm not surprised because because the problem with the problem is risk with risk is it sucks if you're losing and you yeah. have to you just have to ride it out and you just yeah. have to you just have to ride that pain yeah. for potentially hours, right? And right. when when somebody's just doing that to you deliberately, <laughs> you, that could cause some resentment. It's now imagine that multiplied by three of me and my hyper competitiveness. Oh, nice. Which it's not. It's like it's not just multiplied by three. It's like to the power of three. Yeah. 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 Uh, because like each of us, each of my friends, me, Kevin and Brayden, we're all like hyper competitive, super driven to win people. 
And then when you mix us all together and pit us against each other, it was like the most vicious and like venomous game nights. Feelings were hurt, words were said, games were played. I won though, so that's great. Wow. I mean, I, uh, the energy that was, from that last from that last statement really speaks to the rest of that it. That was that was the important part. Anyway, wait, that whole example just shot our whole argument in the foot. No, no, because you guys. So that's that is a game. I feel like there's a huge difference in some of the games where you're playing against each other, and some of the games where you're playing cooperatively towards something else. Mm-hmm. Also. Yeah. Just in general, I feel like risk is just a behemoth of something that it's just some unnatural thing that just causes disdain it's, and resentment. Um, it is so fun, though. Like, the first time when there, was, there wasn't there was much, uh, there wasn't much at stake, there wasn't much on the line. Yeah. Um, we had set the intention that we were, we picked a Saturday, all of us had a day off, and so we just met at one of our houses and everybody just like made some breakfast food. Yeah. So we had this huge like breakfast buffet, all homemade food. All of us were married. There was just tons of food. We were, there was just like snacks. We were hanging out and like the game was almost secondary to the experience. And so that was fine. And that was good. Can't remember where I was going with that. But the second time, was all about the game. And that's when the vitriol just entered our souls. <laughs> but yeah. But you're playing against each other. You're, yeah. You are... There is there is one winner, however many losers, mm-hmm. in in that game. And usually a couple of betrayals. So... There was. Yes, there was betrayals. <laughs> so that's different than... Uh, there, are, there are board games as well where it's completely cooperative. Uh, and you're going towards like the game is you're kind of playing against the game yeah so to speak yeah quote unquote tabletop role-playing games a lot of them are set up as you're all kind of on the same team and you're going Mm -hmm. after something else and you're working together to do that so i feel like that is a that's kind of a major a major difference yeah so the 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 two components um there's the socialization and not and that when i say socialization i don't just mean socializing with your friends socialization is like the the learning of social behaviors like little kids are socialized into non-murderous functional human beings yes they're turned from monkeys to more more socially acceptable monkeys yeah basically um because if they weren't, um, and the people that aren't, they they become murderers. They they do. It's there's a lot. There's a, some fascinating, some fascinating uh, work on uh, integrating the shadow. I think we've talked about that before. Maybe not. Carl Jung was he's one of the greats. Like in the like Carl Jung's like in the top three all time psychologists. Oh, okay. Of like like foundational work in psychology. Got it. There's like, f- there's Freud, obviously Papa Freud. There's yep. Young, um, and gosh, 
dang it, I forget his name every time. Carl Rogers, um, he's another big one. Carl, but Carl Rogers was big because he split off of Freudian psychology. That was kind of his big thing. His model didn't really stick around that long. Yeah. But Jungian psychology is like it's Jungian. like all the rage right now. Yeah, it's like it's a thing. It's like there's the Jungian branch of there's Freudian psychology and there's Jungian psychology, and it's like it's all the rage for uh, at least for like at least for non-research, non-academic, like clinical psychology. So, can you give us like one uh, like one example of where his hypotheses or or whatever they might call it how yeah. where they show up yeah so his his big uh like his big thing was integrating the shadow um your shadow and with so with kids we were talking about kids being socialized from murderous monkeys to um non-murderous monkeys yes so you have a dark side and for you, Jordan, you might call that dark side your addict. Everybody has a shadow. Got it. And it's like a, you know, it's some like, kind of a venom, venom type of thing. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's the venom. It's the uh, I can't think of a pop culture reference. It's um, Dexter. No, I, I haven't. I haven't ever watched Dexter, but I I would hazard a guess that Dexter has not integrated his shadow so you have this like murderous instinct right this violent rage or tendency towards addictive behaviors or whatever yeah like you have so you have a dark side right just think of your dark side whatever whatever that is it's it varies across the spectrum you know across the whole human race but to integrate that like truly in like integrate it into your into your light side i guess you have to get to know it you you essentially have to converse with your dark side get and just get to know how you have to become very familiar with how bad and evil you could be if you chose to be and that's a that is a dark path Got it. That's I think a I'm hard remembering. Thing. I think I'm remembering in some textbook something about that statement that you just made, as far as some some like test or some thing or some experiment to like see what like what you'd be okay with, or not. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Where you could see yourself, like a direction that you could see yourself going, mm-hmm. that would be inherently like for all intents and purposes, evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just remember, I just remember they, they talked a lot about the reactions of, of people that they said, like, I didn't think like, it's, it's a very, it's a, like, it's a, it's a inherently like kind of a scary experiment to take. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's, I mean, I'm uncomfortable even just talking about it. Like it's a, I mean, you're, you're walking a thin, you're walking a fine line. Mm-hmm yeah it is it's scary and it's hard because i mean you're thinking about all of the horrible things you could do and like and not just some of them i mean i'm talking all of them like the worst possible things you can think of like imagining yourself doing those things Eh, maybe don't do that that's a bad way to put it (laughs) but being like getting to know that part of you who's willing and maybe wants to do that 
we talked about the hero's journey. Yeah. That that happens at the death part of the hero's journey. You go you go down like so Frodo's Frodo's death or abyss part was when he he uh he puts on the ring essentially at the top of the volcano. He's like yeah. I can throw it in or I could put it on and be the next dark lord and he puts it on. That's his shadow. His shadow took over. Yeah. And it wasn't until Gollum bit his finger off that Frodo snapped out of it. But at that point, after the after his finger was bitten off, then he had a moment of clarity, and it was enough to like jump away from Smeagol and let Smeagol fall off the the cliff. That was that was his transformation step. Was that moment of clarity? He he recoiled back from his shadow, and yep. that's when I hear when I hear and when I read about shat like the shadow archetype it's it it's so parallel to everything i've seen about addiction recovery it's uh i mean you gotta you gotta get real cozy with the addict that just wants to keep that just wants to stay addicted and you you just gotta be all you just gotta get real buddy buddy with that part of yourself and and when you when you do it's not that you don't want the darkness anymore it's that it's that you're you're in you're kind of in a coerced collusion with that part of yourself so that when those those behaviors or those tendencies creep up you almost have like a a, a warning system before yeah. it before it gets out of control because you're 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 essentially holding hands with your own personal demon and he's just telling you like hey like i really want to just go punch this dude in the face because he's making us angry yeah that's i mean that's something that my shadow would say and it's it's just it's so so powerful the statement i've heard and i'm i don't know if i would necessarily like the thing with philosophy is I think the, some of the philosophical opinions are maybe at the, you can, you can tell me how you feel about this. Um, some of the philosophical statements are at the end, you know, maybe at the end of the spectrum as far as an opinion goes. And so, and then everybody comes in and, and interprets and not everybody is going to believe it to the end of the, you know, to the absolute end of the spectrum. Does that, mm-hmm. Or take it, you know, go follow it to the end of the spectrum because, you know, there's phil- there's there's philosophy that contradicts e- each other and mm-hmm. people are going to people are going to choose their. Yeah, so you can agree with like, so what you're saying is like you can agree with like 80% of a philosophy or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and like 60% with another one. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, so so I say that because. I, you know, I know from my experiences, the importance of understanding uh, what's happening or understanding the addiction mm-hmm. and understanding the part of me that is addicting and wanting to act out mm-hmm. in that escaping behavior. Understanding that is probably one of the biggest parts of being able to choose out of it. Mm-hmm. And so 
you were talking about, you know, being buddy, buddy. And, and for me, what that, you know, what that translates into is the whole process of, you know, breaking everything down back to like, there are in my head, there are wholesome desires and mm-hmm. needs being at the very basic level, just being sought out in an unhealthy way. Yes. And so, uh, the process of like understanding the addiction is, is, really breaking everything down uh, breaking everything down to its simplest form and what what need is and this is a desert solace principle mm-hmm. that we that we learned understanding what need is not being is not being met that i'm seeking in this one and so right right as i do that more and more then in the moment if i am struggling or i have a trigger over time faster and faster my reaction to it is is remembering this is the need that i'm falling short of right now and then what I actually want to do is I want to go fulfill that need. Mm-hmm. Hunger, loneliness, angry, uh, tired, um, sad, some of that, uh, some of that stuff. Yeah. And fulfilling that part of me instead of, you know, letting, letting the past kind of reactive version of me kind of just go through the motions. Mm-hmm. And then like the internal, the internal dialogue and, and the other, the other thing that we learned is every time... I take offense or I react to something externally. It's because that has some kind of internal connection that like I have. So if it's something good, then that's, that's great. Um, we're not necessarily talking about that right now. If it's something negative, like I, uh, the, the, the very common example is if somebody cuts me off mm-hmm. and I get, I get angry about that. Mm-hmm. That's a combination of the, you know, I had expectations and those expectations weren't met and I'm, I'm fresh, you know, I'm frustrated about that, but it's also, there's something about me that I'm unhappy about that, that is causing me to, to react in this way. Um, and that's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a weird concept for people to try to get used to. Yeah. I've tried to, I've tried to tell that to somebody before. Like if, if somebody, if you get mad that somebody cuts you off, you're mad at something about yourself. And mm-hmm. I, they were like, um, shit, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> that's. The dumbest thing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but that's that's exactly I mean, that's a that's a great way of saying that's a great way of describing the like the shadow archetype that I yeah. was talking about is the shadow is what's being triggered by the guy cutting you off. When, yeah. When you when you've integrated your shadow, you just know it, and it's not it doesn't surprise you like that. Does that make sense? Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know some of the some of the terminology. I have a like, I have a hard time with the with the Jungian, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I ag- I agree that my like my awareness of it allows me to just I, I can sit there in the moment. I say I can I can tell myself like I'm frustrated because I'm late, and for some reason I feel like I have this I have this expectation that the drivers around me are aware of this and they should <laughs> they should be understanding mm-hmm. of you know, the situation I'm in mm-hmm. saying it out loud is it is ridiculous to, right. you know, to think that way, but that's the expect, yeah. I, that's the expectation I have sometimes. Sure. And so the, like having that, it, having that dialogue with myself instead of just, you know, reacting. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So you, you have the dialogue with yourself so you don't react. That's exactly it. And that's so the, I guess I should explain the point 
of integrating your shadow or getting to know the dark side of yourself is so that is so that you let it you let it be free in a in a sense you let it be free in so much as you're not repressing it the whole what ye resists persists exactly what you resist persists have you ever tried to tell yourself to not be angry or has anybody tried to tell you has anybody told you don't be angry yeah and it's the worst it's like the worst piece of advice that's that's repressing your anger and it yeah and it's has the opposite effect and so the freudian basis of the jungian (laughs) shadow archetype is uh you you have to let out the monster a little bit so the dog might be barking in the cage because it's mad about being in the cage but you let it out and you let it tear around the yard a little bit and then it calms down and then he's a nice dog that's the dark side of you because people are good generally i think people are yeah people are good for whatever reason, we repress the the bad parts of ourselves, and that's it, that's it's just the worst. It's the it's the worst thing you could do. I don't want I don't want folks to get the I mean, letting the dog out. Like what does that like what does that look like to you? So in in real life, I suppose. Um, we've talked about we talked about fitness not too long ago. Yeah. Um, and my fitness philosophy is to get the most anger in a workout. Get all of get all the angry, push all the weight, run all the speed, right? Like just push 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 aggression, explosiveness. That is shadow. That's my dark side. Like I I've always just wanted like from a little from the from a young age, I've always just wanted to not hold back physically in the world around yeah. me. Yeah. And I hurt people. Like I hurt my sisters. I hurt, I hurt my siblings. I, I hurt my friends. And so that was, so I learned as at a young age, don't do that. You know, don't horse around. Don't, don't hit people or don't throw things at people. Yeah. Which is, helpful i mean when we're talking about socializing socializing from non-murderous monkeys to or from murderous monkeys to non-murderous monkeys we don't want to socialize into murderous monkeys that's a bad thing like that was helpful but i just i just repressed the uh that energy right because i mean in itself energies the energy wasn't bad right it was the it was the consequences of people getting hurt that was bad and so some somehow i internalized that that being too hyper too energetic was dangerous for people and so that became uh this like this darkness in in me in my late child and early teen years man playing football was that was the best thing that's when i really started to integrate my shadow was when i really got to just be as physically aggressive as I as I could be. That was great for me, and so that's like that's that's letting the dog out. It's going to the gym for me. Okay. So there's a space. You don't let the dog out in the house, right? You let it out in the backyard or out in the desert or something. Like 
Maybe yeah. not. Maybe not in the desert. That, I don't know. We're ta- <laughs> we're trying to translate a metaphor into a real example, and it's it's messy. But you don't you don't let the dog out in the house. The folks that aren't necessarily like on a daily basis looking at philosophy, hearing mm-hmm. you know some of the things as far as like the shadow and and like letting letting the dark side out um, and getting you know getting the wrong uh, mm-hmm. maybe the unintended idea from it. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's sounding yeah. like like a healthy uh, like a healthy release you know finding those appropriate those appropriate times right right that's i i think i mentioned getting to know it first yeah you like that that's a meditation thing like you got to really just think about think about yourself if you were as bad as you could be all of the all of the anger and the the, the just the, the rage and malice even you have the potential to do all of those things and you got to be f- familiar with your potential to do harm that's what i wanted to say you you got to get familiar with your proclivity and potential to be harmful and then you can explore ways of letting it out opening the cage yeah. a little bit going to the gym is an excellent way if you have uh if you have anger issues if you uh if you f- feel frustrated going to the gym is a great way to get that out writing i i listened to this other i listened to this author today who said like he gets out his aggression by writing books and he writes out his thoughts um in a blunt and forward yet not overly emotional or he's not attaching judgment to it yeah not attaching judgment and uh not not hysterical it was was level-headed um but it was blunt and forward and so that's that's how he lets out his monster as he he writes and that's therapeutic for him it's like for me i know and I, I mean, I don't know if I said it in the in the other one. Like, I think, I think it's good for us to to voice like differences of opinion, differences of opinion, and like my gym attendance is looks much different than your gym attendance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I like I have a hard time. I, I you know I can't conceptualize that type of gym visit mm-hmm. that you that you have. Yeah, um, I think you know. I think that's a good. I think that's a good thing. You know, everybody's different. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know for oh. me, I I am hyper competitive, and uh, I so I just I just made the choice the uh, the other day that I was getting like I can't with you know with with some mediums like with some games and and stuff. It's I don't I don't find myself in a good place, you know, when I'm getting my competitiveness out in that area. Mm-hmm. So I decided to drop those things. Uh, but then in other ways, like, um, you know, racquetball or volleyball or some of these, you know, some of these things, those are ones that I know that I'm able to really just, you know, kick or itch that, that competitive scratch and what, you know, that aggression or that, that, you know, being able to go out, go all out and, and really play at, you know, whatever at that day, whatever that day is like my peak you know, put everything into it. I know you tried. You tried to put it down quietly. I respect you. I tried so hard that whole time. <laughs> you, you were like Edgar Allan Poe, like taking all night to walk into the room. Yeah. And just. Exactly. And so, 
just finding those times when it is and is not uh, appropriate uh, for me when it doesn't does not work for me mm-hmm. uh, to do to do those things because I don't you know look, looking back like I want my interactions with other people to be generally mutually uplifting and I look back at some other times where like I chose to be like competitive and I let that just dominate the situation and it was not you know it was not what I wanted it to be mm-hmm. looking back afterwards I didn't get what I wanted out of it and I did not I did not express the energy or the emotion that I would have wanted to express mm. yeah I think I, I saw when I was very young I saw people around me and their anger and what happened when they got angry and so as a, as a very young kid I was like okay that's doesn't work for me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't want to do those things. And so I would say I also started to have a very um, toxic reaction to anger in that I would auto- I would automatically suppress it. I would mm-hmm. not get I would not get angry. Things that would things that would like anger me, I would just get like physically exhausted. Like I like fatigue would just roll over me like a wave. Yeah. Um and I think that's just from I mean, trying to suppress something like that is an exhausting is an exhausting thing. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, and that's still something that I run into super often. Instead of reacting in in anger or in frustration, then it's just like I I just want to go like take a nap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Understanding that, and then taking the time to find and seek and experiment with different ways or different kind of activities where I can get that out in in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, man. That's a, that was a, that was probably a better job at uh, saying what I've been trying to say this whole time. I think, I mean, so that you suppressed the anger and it had a negative consequence, right? You repressed it and it came back worse in a different way. Yeah, exactly. And then you learned that, you learned what things worked for you, and now you have probably a whole list of things that you could do to manage your anger or your emotions. I think that's what I've been trying to say. Well, and even just even just that first step is better is way better than nothing of just mm-hmm. understanding when I when I when that wave of fatigue falls over me. Mm-hmm. Even understanding like in that moment, like oh, in another like with a different background, I would probably be enraged by something right now mm-hmm. like just understanding like this is this is anger mm-hmm. trained to to be responding to it in a different way but understanding what i'm experiencing right then and there is already so much more so much more helpful because it's not a if i didn't understand then okay i'm just tired mm-hmm. okay well that's not that's not a productive i'm not going to gain anything from that and so understanding yeah. if i'm just tired or when i now understand like no i'm not like I'm not tired. This isn't just like a oh I haven't had enough sleep uh, today or I haven't eaten too well today and so I don't have the energy that I need to. Understanding that this is like an emotional reaction that I'm having, that's important to me. Right. To understand that, I love the. I mean, my my sensitive like my hyper, my sensitivity with like the, <laughs> some of the some of the words used in like the, the Jungian, uh, stuff. I lit just the other day. The only reason why I focus on it so much is because somebody was talking to me about philosophical stuff. And it was just a lot of like 
they were actually pretty much in agreement of a lot of like really like cool philosophical things but you know they get scared away by the by the terminology so Mm -hmm. yeah that's me applying that's that's me applying that defect to to a different situation right right yeah and that's that's always going to be tough you know i mean yeah i mean we're we're talking in language you and you and i know that language is uh, a finite and imperfect tool but it's the only tool we have to communicate yeah Uh, or at least to communicate deep thoughts so, so we have all these, we have all these imperfections, and we have all these defects. So coming back to, in this case, uh, tabletop games, we're going to keep the discussion super broad because we, ha- you know, if you guys want a more specific conversation, then we have a we have a whole, we made a whole podcast, but we're talking about tabletop games right now. We're talking broadly about tabletop games. Is that that's what you're saying, right? Because the last. 45 minutes was very specific and very deep. Uh, um, it, was a, yeah. it was a deep conversation. Um, but we have all this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And so why is it, is it so to us, why is it so beneficial to be playing this interactive, cooperative tabletop game together? <laughs> Back to the components. So we got the socialization Meaning yeah. learning social behavior, not interacting socially. The second one, and I think this is uh, more important in adult life, but it does go hand in hand with social socialization, is the playing out of uh, playing out of synthetic scenarios or the or the playing out of virtual scenarios. Yeah from the perspective of from a different perspective meaning of the of the character that you're playing as so in a in a role playing game you're playing you're playing a role right you yeah. have a role within your team and you you're 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 playing a character in a book or a movie essentially in your imagination and so the the psychological benefit comes from playing through role-playing through these scenarios period full stop that's i should have just ended it there you just you you get benefit from playing through difficult scenarios there's we looked up a lot of papers on specifically dungeons and dragons and the benefits it has on mediating emotional responses and there wasn't like a ton of super good published works that i found um there was just a lot of case studies of college students in a dorm that played a lot of D. a and, prime uh, sample right. size. <laughs> yeah yeah there i i didn't find any like long-term longitudinal studies with sufficient sample sizes to produce significant results so all we really have are case studies and anecdotal evidence for the game however role playing has a has a very strong clinical application i mean in in a therapy session it's pretty common i would say pretty common 
for a therapist to say something to the effect of, okay, uh, Bob Jones uh, is in therapy and um, Mr. Mr. Uh, Franklin, uh, the therapist, is uh, he says to Bob, hey, Bob, uh, you've been coming to me for two months now about these fights you have with your wife. Sorry, I dropped some toys there. I shouldn't have. <laughs> so, Mr. Jones, you've been coming in here for two months. I've been talking about these fights you've been having with your wife. What would you say if your wife said she thinks you're lazy? And then they go through and they talk about what would happen. That's role-playing. So yeah. the role-playing games essentially take that function. They take over that function, but without probably... Uh, I mean, unless you're friends with a therapist, you're you're not playing with a therapist, so you just role play with your friends essentially, and that's fine. I mean, you're probably not gonna solve any big traumas from your childhood like that, but it can it can help to alleviate some uh, social distress, uh, interpersonal distress for uh, specific. Um, maybe specific interactions that you might have for example say a woman has a very strong social anxiety she has a very hard time talking to people but she's been playing D &D with her with her parents and siblings yeah uh she used to play as a she used to play as a kid and now they're getting back into it to kind of like rekindle their family relations that could help a ton helping this woman overcome her social anxiety because she gets to practice talking to other people because in the game you are a different person talking to different people and so that ever so slightly nudges you out of that comfort zone to kind of confront that problem and the work that's happening in the background is the brain the brain doesn't know the difference right that's a very important co that's a very important point to bring up the uh <laughs> One of the things that separates us from the animals is that we can imagine things. One of the really, really cool things that we can do is we can barter with future, with our future selves. I was just talking about that with the goals at the beginning of yeah. the episode. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You, like, you make a you make a deal with your future self. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sacrifice or do something I don't really want to do right now so that I can have something I want in the future. That's bartering with the future. Animals don't do that. They only exist right now. But you, listener, you do that. You imagine stuff. And your brain and your body can't tell the difference. So do a little thought experiment. Listener, dear listener. Think about running through the forest. It's a dark forest. And you're running. Like... You're on, maybe you were on a hike late in the day, the sun went down, it's now dark, it's getting cold, you're running, like, you're running back along the trail you've been going, you thought that there was something at the end of the trail that it wasn't there, so you kept kind of pushing and pushing to go into the forest to find something, never found it, now you're in the middle of the woods, it's dark, you're freaked out, so you're running, and you're running, and you hear, you start to hear stuff in the, in the brush, and you're running, and run, and run, and you trip and fall. Now, check, like, check your body. Check your pulse. After you imagine that scenario, check your pulse. 
Like, it's probably heightened a little bit. Because your body doesn't get that you weren't actually doing that. Because what happens is... those are experiments that have been proven. Yeah, I mean, you can do that for, like... Do it for longer than what I just kind of walked you through. Do it for, like, five minutes. Just imagine that scenario. The deeper you get into it, the more and more your, your body will respond. Because what's happening is... Your physical senses, your eyes and your ears, are just sending information to your brain. But when you imagine information, you imagine those same stimuli, and you put those that fake information of the forest and the sounds you're hearing into your brain, it doesn't know that that information isn't coming from your eyes or your ears. And so your body reacts, and your adrenal glands react, and you start producing adrenaline, and your heart starts pounding, and your uh, your blood vessels start constricting. So, and it's the same it's the same when you role play in a game, or when you when you're playing <laughs> Risk with your friends. Uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> yeah. you're in that battle, and it's and it's life or death for a second, <laughs> maybe. It's the same reason that you hear people talk about like posture effects attitude Mm -hmm. and the whole thing about if you're unhappy smile anyways and your body will literally take care of it to an extent yeah Um, um, there's a lot more factors involved but yeah i will i'll look up a video right now about about what you're saying um so there was a i think a sociologist um who who studied um emotions and physiology and he actually mapped out on the face um the muscles and the areas of your body or the areas of the face to contort or to to move in a certain way to produce the five basic emotions so he mapped the five basic emotions and then he mapped all of oh, the you're emotions not talking on about, the face you're not talking about malcolm gladwell are you no i'm not he did a, he wrote a book on that but he's probably he probably was just referring to the research of the guy you're talking about yeah sorry let me while you're looking that up i mean the the thing with the smiling and i i I know there was a video um and i it may it might be from buzzfeed and i know that will turn a lot of people off um but the fascinating thing i found about buzzfeed is they do like these like super ad clicky like clickbaity videos Uh on youtube that are you know sometimes immature childish but they also use some of those funds from those videos to make like weirdly very well written and very well researched like documentaries and like mm-hmm. researched content. It's fascinating. So I think it may have been a video from them where they did a, an experiment where they uh, they had somebody they had a group of people go into a room of puppies, mm-hmm. and half of them, a bunch of them went in and they were all holding. Or, no, I'm sorry. I think they went in one at a time. And a bunch of them were biting down on like a piece of wood, like an uh, like a pencil or something, mo- uh, faking the expression of a smile. Mm-hmm. And then they had a bunch of other people go in, and I I think they had to like hold something in their bottom lip or in their upper lip or something, but it was it was reflecting a frown. Yeah. And then they asked people, and they did like they did like pulse, and and they looked at a bunch of stuff afterwards, and the people's like the folks that had to deal with the puppies that were forced to smile like that was a whole like 
the two experiences were completely different. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, like just smiling it, you know, the body chemistry, it's going to help you out a little bit. And like the, if you're feeling like sad or depressed or like isolated, um, the whole thing, as far as like, like sit up and like put your shoulders back and like raise your head up, maintain this posture. If you want to like, you can, uh, like yoga or something like the mountain pose. Mm-hmm. Like you can, if you assume that posture for like five minutes and your body chemistry will change. Yeah. I just sent you a video, Jordan. So Dr. Ekman, Paul Ekman, he's done a ton mm. of work on this and he found the human race has encoded within its primordial DNA. Yes. The, uh, the five basic I'm on board with that with me. Yep. I'm into it. More t-shirt ideas. Um, the five basic emotions, the five basic universal emotions, and the expression is the same across cultures. Um, there's, well, I mean, oh, I don't need to go into it, but the uh, the video will it'll take you through the exercise of like moving your face and holding it, and then yeah. you're supposed to just take note of your like body temperature and your pulse and stuff. When I did this to this video the one that got me the most was the anger one and maybe it's because oh, yeah. i have a propensity for anger but like a predisposition yeah the uh it like i was feeling like that heat in my chest like the it was a very almost immediate it only took like 15 seconds for me to notice like the the heat in my chest and like the tense the tension in my shoulders and and the upper body muscles like it was so fast and so predictable like he dr eggman just he's uh he's just a genius i guess <laughs> i don't know how else to say that he just he found this amazing amazing thing that is so powerful you just like you can i don't want to say you can control your emotions because i don't think that's healthy right so just i mean you don't want to just like start standing in yoga pose in the middle of a in the middle of an an argument with your wife that maybe needs to happen right like there's there's benefits there's a reason we have anger and fear i mean and you don't want to just shut those off well but but the inverse of that is you're still finding it helpful if if you are experiencing x emotion and then i also see myself like at the same time i see myself curling up Mm-hmm. and bringing the shoulders in and yeah. like tightening into a ball. If I notice that when I'm in an argument that that's, that's still super helpful information for me yeah. in the moment yeah. and, or seeing it in another person, maybe pointing it out to the spouse while we're having an argument. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not the most helpful. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't really you guys could have point a dialogue. at what they're doing yeah. <laughs> in any argument. You, yeah. You really want to stay in your own lane, but, but there are other times where, you know, let's say like a, I don't know, a friend is going through something mm-hmm. or somebody or like, there are times where like, you notice somebody else having an experience mm-hmm. and it's super useful information or the t- like, and it's the same thing with, um, affirmations. Mm-hmm. I think, I feel like affirmations are becoming a little bit more mainstream of a, of a thing mm-hmm. that's, that's brought up. Affirmations work extremely similar. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm stating truths or my truths um quote unquote and the brain doesn't know the difference and so the brain is internalizing that because we're i mean when we tell ourselves when we down when we degrade ourselves all day long 
It's like, I can't, that project is too big for me or I'm not good enough for that person. Like the brain is interpreting that as true Mm -hmm. because the brain doesn't know any different. And so the affirmations are the ability that we have because we got, we got bigger than monkey brains. Yeah. Discernment is, is a surprisingly active phenomenon. It doesn't just happen. You, you can't really, you don't, you can't really just tell when somebody's lying. You have to, you have to look for it. You have to try. It's yeah. And yeah, you have to look for these signs, uh, these facial expressions or these postures I mean, you recognize them. You can absolutely tell if somebody's sad. Like, you can, like, even, like, you might not know, like, drooped shoulders plus um, downturned expression plus, like, um, loose skin under the eyes or whatever. Yeah. Equals sadness. Uh, Pinched skin uh, below the eyebrows and above the bridge of the nose equals disgust but you know like you know naturally that there's emotion being felt and so like you can you can communicate with that even people that like it's you go into a job interview i learned after being on the other side of it for both real and fake job interviews that like your demeanor when you walk in has a has a pretty big impact Mm-hmm. I would say, all, like, depending on the job you're going for, your demeanor when you walk in could have the a, the a similar or greater impact than the application that the that you hand them. Definitely. When I was a couple of years ago, I was helping one of those like uh, kid like uh, growth event things, and they were doing mock interviews, and I just had to sit there. And like ask them questions like one by one and they would come in and they would fill out an, uh, like an application in front of me and then they would hand it to me and we would talk about things and then they would walk out. Watching it from like the other side when I'm not the person being interviewed and going through this exp- uh, like experience, like there's such a spectrum and it was, it was, it was weird seeing it to the point that like it was getting to the point that the, like I said, the application became the less important thing. Mm-hmm. And like when people talk about like people talk about like, oh, you know, just be confident when you walk in like that is that is tangible. Like that is not just a like, oh, believe in yourself kind of thing. That is a literal factor. Yeah. um, Yeah, That is going into the thing. Watch. Look at people. Watch. I mean, you can see it. Jordan will probably put this. He'll probably link this video somehow. Watch the yep. video and just look for the signs of people's emotions. You see, so you do it automatically. It's it's programmed into you to be on the lookout for angry people. Yeah, because that's dangerous. Angry people are dangerous, and so that's that is like a that's a genetic uh, that's a genetic trigger, a marker. For you, yeah. as you go about the world, you're looking for danger. You can automatically like notice people when they're angry because that's a red flag. That's a danger sign, and your body yeah. can see that and sense that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, so just that's 
that's tone of voice. That's mm-hmm. facial expressions. Yeah. That's posture. Posture is a that's, big one. That's like vicinity. You know, how yeah. close are they? You know, like that's how close yeah, they are you to can you. You can feel it. Exactly. Exactly. And so just, so what I'm saying is just pay attention to that more because you're doing it automatically. So pay attention to it more and you can see. It's, I mean, it's fascinating. I do it all the time. I love doing it. But yeah, I mean, as you're, as you're people watching and stuff, just, I mean, watch for, don't watch for the angry people because you find whatever you're looking for and you don't want to just find the angry people. Look for the happy people and the confident people and just notice how you react to them. Notice your thoughts about those people. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you feel jealous of the confident people. Notice that and just think, tell yourself, oh, that person feels really, that, that person seems really confident. They are probably better than me somehow. Challenge that thought with something like, no, they probably just feel good. Maybe they're having a really good day. And so that's coming off and I can feel that from them. Yeah. Something like that. Try it. I'm going to make one last statement trying to connect it to role playing. And I may just, at this point, I may just take it out when I go into the post edit. But we, we didn't try really hard to tie this back to role playing games. All of these concepts, none of these concepts go away when you're playing a tabletop role playing game. And that's the reason that our experience has been it's super effective at a healthier, you know, just like a healthy factor in mental health. Being able to take on a scenario, uh, portray a character maybe with a different personality or with a similar personality, and do things, do stuff, and have things happen mm-hmm. because of those things. All the stuff that we've talked about in the entire episode, like it's uh, somebody f- coming from somebody that looked down on these type of games completely up until two years ago, three years ago. And tell you it's a it's a it's hard to it's a it's might be a hard pill to swallow but the chemistry of the brain serves itself that every single one of these things that we've talked about shows up in these games in some way or another and my experience has been it's been a it's been a really cool uh, thing to just watch and experience and see how it's impacted me and none of us have done it in a truly therapeutic session with a certified you know person there but we talk about in the other in the part one that those type of sessions do exist Mm -hmm. where a therapist is conducting therapy with people in this way Um, folks that have specific things that they want to work on um, or they've been told to work on and they get to play it out in these role-playing scenarios and see the consequences without there being a ton of real life consequences but the brain is still getting to run it and that the whole <laughs> i can't you know when they're when they're doing scenes for tv and they're they're cat you know they're doing the the shoots you know something goes wrong and they're just like all right run it back let's do it let's do it again it's like that's that's exactly what you can do yeah exactly yeah i just want to tack on and say that everything we talked about is is happening in the games a lot more is happening in the games, and it's all happening all the time in real life. The, the role-playing games are just a way to practice it, to work out those muscles. Yeah. And if for the insightful, it's a way to see 
to maybe look in a mirror and see yourself see yourself in a different way. So that's kind of it. That's all I had. I hope something made sense and if it did just hold on to that one thing and forget the rest <laughs> that kernel <laughs> yeah just hold on to that one reach that one in nugget of inspiration out. and and leave the rest if you liked what you heard if you found something interesting go listen to homebrew catastrophe what a, what episode i think it's episode five episode five go listen to homebrew catastrophe episode five we talk a lot more about different um, aspects of what we talked about tonight. We, we, there was a lot of different information in that show. Um, so go check that one out as well. And uh, yeah, always remember, never believe anything we say. And uh, what are we talking about next time, Jordan? Uh, the important things. Good stuff. Oh, wait, we've got a thunks question. Yeah, we do have a thunks question. What's Ooh. your thunks question for me, Brian? What are we talking about next time? Oh, oh boy. It's, yes. a, it's a chonker. It's, it's a, a chonker. <laughs> it's a thick boy. Oh, man. Are you ready for that topic? Because I... I'm heckin' ready for that topic. Are you? Yeah. The next topic that we're going to talk about is one of those things where I don't... I, I, I'll still want to prepare because that's the way that I want to approach it. But I could... If if I if it was put in front of me tonight, I would probably just start going off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's 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 the next quality varies episode. That's what that's gonna be like. So stay tuned, dear listeners. Yeah. Okay. Real quick, Thunk's question, Jordan and listeners, dear listener, do you own money? Um. Yes. I say no. Why do you say no? Because, first of all, our money in, I mean, our money these days uh, is only represented to us by the numbers on our bank statement. Yeah. And the physical money, the cash and coins, are, they're actually federal property. You get in trouble for defacing money. Yeah. So I say no, you don't actually own money. All right, you changed my mind. I say no. Yes. I would. Um, it's a weird... I handled I handled about $30,000 today. Wow. And I didn't I didn't touch a single bill. Yeah. yeah that's weird, a, it's, right? a, it's a weird thing. I think about that sometimes. That's weird to me that like one generation ago, as in our parents, they always had cash on them. I mean, my, like yeah. my parents always had cash in their wallets. I have not carried cash since I was 17 years old. I haven't touched a... I can count on one hand the amount of times that I've touched a coin, like a quarter or a dime, mm-hmm. in the last 10 years. Wow. Less less than five times. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. just... That's, that's weird, man. What does it all mean? What does money even mean? Uh, for many, many people, myself included, still most days, it is... Uh, a direct correlation to happiness <laughs> in people's minds. Well, shoot. That's something else we can work on. But that's a story for a different time. Thank you so much. See you next time.